0: Good morning. Hey, good to see everybody. My name's Tim. I'm the senior pastor here at the church and glad you made it here this Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you did indeed have a great Thursday and uh, the weather. Hey, if you're here visiting along the Grand Strand, it's like this every day here. (laughs) You should move here. You should move here. I mean, it's awesome. It's wonderful. Uh, We are launching a new series this morning as we head toward Christmas for the next four Sundays. We are going to look, as the title of of the uh, video said, uh, what is the proper response to the most perfect gift or to the perfect gift? Um, Some of us, uh, depending on your age, probably you are looking forward to or you are hoping you are going to get that perfect gift this year. And uh, what would be the right response, the right posture to receiving that most wonderful of all gifts uh, that you desire. Uh, this time of the season, we what we just had Black Friday and all this stuff, and and it's easy to get lost, isn't it? The shuffle. I mean, the whole de- ideal uh, or the idea, uh, and that Jesus came to this earth as a baby. I mean, just to meditate on that alone for an hour or so, just to think that God Almighty himself can somehow take himself and humble himself in such a way as to be in a small, frail child. It's just, that's an incredible humility when you think that's the God of all creation and that he did that for us. That's the Christmas, that's what Christmas is about. To those of us who are Jesus followers, considering that God... Bridged that big gap between us and our Creator and He did it in such a way that every every year I just I just stand back in awe and go, I don't know, God, I, I don't know how you did that. But I'm so I'm so grateful that you did. So we're gonna look at some responses to the perfect gift over the next four weeks. And uh you've got a fill-in and uh your handout if you want to take it out you should have received a pen as well. There's four fill-ins there this morning, and uh, we're going to start by reading a, just a, a verse or two from Matthew 2, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and this is the, when the Magi, we know them as the wise men, they were wise enough to find Jesus, so they must have been wise. Uh, the Magi, they're called, and probably these desert wanderers were probably maybe Zoroastrians, and they had been watching the skies, they had been watching for something phenomenal to happen, and they saw the star, and we're going to join them here uh, for just a couple of verses. And after I read this, then I'll pray, and we'll jump in to the proper response to the perfect gift, the first sermon in this series so let's read Matthew 2 and let's just read verse 1 as well after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked where is the one who has been born King of the Jews we saw his star when it rose and have come to what to worship him. Father, we ask for your word, for you to bless your word today, breathe life on it. I ask for your help, God, to uh, help me. Give me the gift of teaching this morning, Lord. Speak to me, Holy Spirit. Um, Help me. This is your precious church that you love, uh, and help me to be able to minister to it today. Um, We love you, Jesus. We're so grateful for being able to follow you, and thank you for saving us and doing your good work in us, and We love you, and we welcome you here. Amen. Amen. Well, these magi, it sounds like with this one sentence in verse 2, they came for one purpose only. One purpose only, and that was, have come to worship him. They traveled probably at least 900 miles. What is that? Maybe the distance from here to Boston or here to Chicago. And you got to figure that this is with a bunch of probably camels, and, and it was an entourage. It wasn't just the three wise guys. It was it was an entourage. These were the three magi's, the 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 kind of the astronomers and all that had been looking in the heavens and expecting God to do something tremendous. But they started they started many many days before, and they brought their families. Most likely, they brought supplies. They brought People with them, and so it was quite a journey—nine hundred miles in that day—to come and find the one that's born King of the Jews, and for one purpose only—to worship Him. That is going to be our axle, the axle to our series for the next four weeks, and that is the centerpiece. And then we'll have some spokes off of that axle. Like today, we'll look at what God uh, expects and what He has given us. How is He? How is He uh, equipped us in order to worship Him? And what kind of a proper response? Should we give this perfect gift that has been given to us? Uh, a lot of times, again, like I said, in this, this time of the year, we forget that uh, Jesus has come to be worshipped. Uh, we think maybe God came because we needed Him. That God came to earth because we needed Him. And indeed we did. But God exists for us to worship Him. He exists for us to worship Him. And at this time of year or any time of the year, actually it's easy to think of God as like a machine that you pull the handle on and you hope you get something out of. It's like, oh, God, God, please, I need this. You know, we, we crank it down and we expect things and, and, and they don't line up. and Or maybe they do or they don't. And when they don't line up, we go, what's wrong, God? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with me? How come it's not? You know, why isn't it working like this? And we see God as is that kind of a machine. But God is not like that. And and the Magi got this right. I mean, they came to worship Him. They didn't come to get anything from this child. They came to give to this child. And Christmas is about that giving, and and that's what we want to focus into for the next four weeks. God doesn't exist for us. Now we'd be really out of luck if You know, if he didn't love us and provide Christ for us. But God has existed forever and ever and ever. And he doesn't exist to do everything we want him to do. But we do exist to give him worship. And we do exist to praise him. And uh, I think, you know, all of us, all of us worship. Every single one of us. Today we're going to talk about the posture of lifting our hands. I'm not going to do a survey and ask you how many of you are from a church where you lift your hands in worship. Because I know our church enough to know that there's many of you who were not raised in a church where you lift your hand. It would almost have been irreverent to do so. Sacrilegious to do so. And uh, I know the first time I walked into a church where they were lifting hands. uh, I was a young college student and, and we had just... We were just married, and, and we walked in, and, and uh, you know, when you go in some place, you're a little, you know, shy. You know, I walked into this Lutheran church, and and uh, the people are just, they got their hands up. I look over to the left, and there's a lady with this mink coat on. She's got her hands up. I look to the right, and there's a guy like me in jeans with holes on them, and I'm in a pair of slaps and a T-shirt. I look up on the stage. There's seven guitars with, seven players of guitars, seven guitars, none of them in tune. Um, yeah, the place that I got over, I really did. And, uh, you know, that was packed out with college students and a few adults. And this was at seven 30 in the morning and, uh, and they're praising and all of a sudden their hands go up in the air and yeah, I'm, I'm a new believer. I'm excited, but I don't get it. I'm thinking, well, this is really an artsy group here. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, got their hands up in the air. You guys know who Tim Hawkins is, the Christian comedian. Yeah, he does a whole thing on lifting hands. How you, how you? I'm not going to show the video because if I did, everything else would be over. that be it. But but he does some. He he does a really good. You can check him out on uh, YouTube or somewhere. But he he's got it so right. We have to laugh at ourselves. How you come into church and you got your hands in your pocket and you're worshiping. You're swaying just a little bit and you think you're pretty radical. I mean, you're like, yeah, I'm 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 worship. I get my worship on. Yeah. And he's like, after a while, you notice people are lifting their hands and such, and you go, okay, I can get into this. All right, I want to do this. Yeah, that fish I caught was this big. It was this big. It's this big. That posture, you know. And then you kind of graduate, you get a little freer, and you go, I'm carrying my television. I'm carrying my television. Then it's like, it's a big screen. It's a big screen. It's a big screen. It's a big screen. Or, or you know, my favorite, of which I do, I admit, not because, it's, because he named it this, is the high-five and heartburn. You know, <sighs> <laughs> high-five and heartburn. Yes, Jesus, I love you so much. So much, you know. And, uh, I mean, there's all forms. And you, know, you just, I mean, it is funny. We laugh at ourselves. We need to laugh at ourselves. Because if we don't know why we do what we do, why do we do it? It becomes just some habit or something that means nothing, except that everybody else is doing it. And I don't want to feel weird, so I'll do it, right? But there's meaning behind it. And lifting of hands is is important to God. It means something to Him. So you have a fill-in in your handout. And there's four today. And your first one is from Psalms 63, 1 through 5, verses 1 through 5. And your first feeling is this. We lift our hands in the low places. We lift our hands in the low places. Let's read this scripture. Psalm 63, 1 through 5. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will what? Lift my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Now, David's in a very difficult place. He's in a tough spot in Psalm 63. He's in a low place. He is probably in a battle. Saul may be chasing him at this point in time. Uh, He's in a lonely place. Emotionally, physically, he's in a place where he just doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He didn't expect to be there, to find himself in this place. And he's not even sure his life is going to make it out of this low place. But yet he lifts his lips to God and he says, I will draw my nourishment from you right now, Lord, and I will lift My hands to you. Some of you probably in here this morning. Are at a place where you are thinking. Gosh I never never ever thought I would be here. (laughs) In this place. This struggle in my life. Or this loss that I'm going through in my life. I never expected this to happen. But here I am. I'm here. And so it's, it's you know this applies. This applies to you. This is. Very much a, a time where it seems like to lift your hands and worship to God would be antithetical. It would be something that doesn't fit the situation. But, oh, does it fit the situation. To lift your hand, hands in the low places. Um, he goes on to say that because your love is better than life. <laughs> in other words, my life is not real well. It's not... It's not Good right now, but your love is better than whatever life I'm experiencing right now. So I'm going to lift my hands to you. I'm going to acknowledge you. And it's a way of saying, when we lift our hands to it, it's a way of saying, God, you are God. And now, this place that I'm at, where I am in my life, I know I'm not God. Matter of fact, if you don't come through for me, I don't know if I'm going to make it from here. But this I do know I know you're God and you're good. So in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of loss, I lift my hands to you. Uh, no doubt, again, many of us have found ourselves in a place like this. You know, Christmas time is kind of the great magnifier, isn't it? I mean, if if you're if you're really having a tough time, if you're going through a low place during the season, Christmas season, it kind of magnifies that that struggle, doesn't it? It makes it kind of worse than it would be another time of the year. It, it magnifies it, but the opposite is true as well, and that is that. When things are going really well and we're happy and we get to the Christmas season, everything is super, super wonderful, right? It magnifies it either way. So it's kind of important to, if you find yourself at a low point in life, then know that it's being magnified by all of the fun around you and all the celebration. It just makes you feel in a way worse. And it magnifies it. And David goes, in the midst of this, I'm going to lift my hands To you And I'm going to praise you. It's an act of worship to God. Again, to say in the low places, you're God and I need you. Um, I've done this, I don't know how many times, but the times that really mean something to me were the times when it was a low place. Um, Yesterday morning, I got up and ran down to the beach and there were some waves and I suited up and I paddled out. And I was the only one out in the water except for, uh, you know... Tourists that were renting the beach houses for around me. And uh, I'm sitting out. Beautiful. You know how gorgeous this weather is right now. I'm sitting out in the water. And, uh, and I hear God. I've been studying this all week. And, and I hear God go, get them up. Get them up. You know, I'm sitting in the water. And I'm thinking, this is a great place to lift my hands. And praise this morning. It's so good. It's so beautiful. Everything is just right. But just four years ago. Four years ago, my mom got cancer, and we were living not far from here, up on the north part of Myrtle Beach, up just down the street here. It was really cold. This was two, three days before Christmas. And uh, I went out late that afternoon surfing, and it was cold. There was a chill in the air. It was dropping down into the 30s that night. Offshore wind blazing, and the sun's going down. The sun and the heat is just going away from me, and that's the way it felt in life. It's just going away from me. And as the sun began to sink, it's like I heard God say to me, look, yeah, that part of your life's over, you know. Your, your mom is setting. Lift your hands to me because I, I, I'm not gone. I'm here. I'm here. And, and that will forever. It's in my journal, but it's also in my heart. That that cold place, darkness coming, the sun dropping, and, and it's so cold out in the water just by myself. Everybody had left. To lift your hands to God and say, I'm yours. You're God, and I can't control this. I can't do anything about this. But uh, God, you sure are good, and you're wonderful. And as long as I have life, I will praise you. And though we do that because He's God and we're not, it, something does happen to us when we lift our hands in the low places. Something happens deep within us that it doesn't change the loss, it doesn't mean you don't. Miss the one that you love. It doesn't mean. It might not even change the situation. But something happens. God somehow comes into our life. In a very fresh way. In awareness. Of I've given this up. I have surrendered this. And so we want to we lift our hands. And give God the praise. Even in those times when things are not going well. Maybe especially in those times. When things aren't going well. We lift up. Our hands. Now Paul is writing. A Shift gears a little bit. Paul is writing a young preacher. Boy or man. That he's training up to be a leader in the churches. And he wants to help Timothy. He wants to help Timothy teach the churches that he's over. And he's working with how to worship. And how to to do this thing we call giving God adoration. And so he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2.8. This, Paul writes to his young uh, preacher student there. He says, therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. I want who to lift up their hands. Don't let the ladies say this now. Come on. (laughs) Don't do it, guys. Come on. All right. Who? Who lift up? Man, and you know what? I looked this word up. Don't think, God's oh, universal, everybody, mankind. No. Uh, it means men. This is, that's what it says. A mate, a fellow, a sir, a husband, a man. And that's what it means. So why in the world, and that's your second feeling, is we lift our hands, men. We lift our hands, men. Why would Paul tell Timothy, hey, tell the guys in your church to lift their hands? And praise. Why would he point out the men? Nobody knows, or nobody wants to admit it. <laughs> I think the silence says everything. <laughs> you know, maybe they like us. Maybe maybe the men of that day like us. Many of us. It was a little strange lifting your hands. However, you didn't have a problem yesterday when you thought South Carolina was about to make a big comeback. You had no problem lifting your hands in the air and standing up. None at all. You know, none. You were just going, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're taking number one down. You know, only to go, oh, crap. You know, and go. And uh, well, see, that's the way we are. We men, we find something we like and we, you know, we don't mind worshiping, praising, whatever. We. We get excited, right? We do that. But when it comes to God, it's just like we, we feel like it's a chick thing. Yeah, it's like, it's well, a chick thing. You know, it's a woman thing. I'm not doing that. It, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it. You know? But it's like, like Tim says, the most we'll get is probably, you know, you know we we'll hope the bass it was that big. It was that big. Yes, Lord. <laughs> you know, instead of just lifting our hands up and, and saying, Jesus, you're, you're, you're worthy of this. I surrender to you. Well, we worship, all of us worship. You men, you worship. We were made to worship. That's why it's so, so much fun at ball games or if you're surfing or whatever you're doing and people get so excited and you raise your hands and you clap and you, you jump up. You, see, that's not bad. That's not wrong. That's who you were, you were created to be. You were created to be a worshiper. It's just that we need to channel it over to the creator who put that in our heart. And we need to give Him the same amount of worship and praise that we give any other thing in our life. Any other thing that we're celebrating. And especially to God who saved us. I mean, King David, we read the Psalms. David was a man's man. He was a warrior, a fighter, a king. Yet he writes all these worship songs and he tells us to lift our hands in praise. Paul here, who is writing to Timothy... Paul was a pretty straight-up dude, intellectual, but, man, he was in your face. He didn't pull any punches. He'd tell you like it was. And he's like, lift your hands up, men. Lift them up. Lift them up. So God has a special word to us, to we men. And, uh, you know, why does he want us to lift them up? I think part of it for me is if once you're, well, you're a parent, you get this too, but as a granddad, I really get this. You know when your grandkids run to you and they throw their arms up in the air, what father or granddad does not immediately reach down and grab that child? No matter how much it hurts you because of their size or whatever. You know my d- granddaughter came spent the night with us Friday night. When she when she came into the door, the first thing, first thing, hands up, no shame, pop, hands up. What are my hands doing? You know, here we go. Here we go. Maybe God, maybe God takes a tremendous amount of enjoyment from his children, his men, throwing their arms up and going, Here, Father, I'm here to worship you. And maybe he takes great joy out of just grabbing you up and saying, Yeah, I love you too. And I'm glad you've come to me today. I'm glad you're here. Uh, when our second grandson was born. Uh, we were at the hospital when he was born, and and so my son Jason's here, and and uh, Andrew's mom's here, and and first time we see and Jason too, and we're all there, and and Leo goes, oh here you want to you want to hold him talking to uh, Jason, and I said sure, and I jumps in, I jump right in and grabbed, you know before my son even held his son, you know, I'm, and he's like really, I'm like really, I'm like yeah, but you know. <laughs> You know, there's something about that. There's there's something very, I don't know. It does something to us, and I think it does something to God. I think God takes great pleasure, and uh, it, it, it's wonderful for to see His kids, His sons, His daughters, be able to go. I love you. I love you, God. I love you, Father. And I'm here. And So, men, you're gonna get a chance in just a little bit to do this, all right? You better you you, you just right now you need to start going, I can do this. I can do this, I can do this. You know, I've changed a tire before, I've put siding on, I've done this, you know, I can lift my hands, I can do this. And so we lift our hands in the low places. Men, we're told to lift our hands. It's not just a chick thing. You know, it's the whole church, and your third one is this. We lift our hands. As an offering, we lift our hands as an offering. In Psalms 141 and verses 1 and 2, it says, I call to you, Lord, come quickly to me, hear me when I call to you. May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice or the evening offering. And the prayers the words that uh he is speaking he says may they go up to you like the incense you guys know what incense is it's a really nice fragrance that burns and they used it in the temple during this period of time it's a picture of the prayers of the saints and uh, the psalmist is saying that it it god smells that that aroma of your words and he takes delight in it and also your hands, when you lift your hands up to him in worship, that is also just like an offering, like a financial offering. You're bringing an offering of praise to him. And I like the word sacrifice, sacrifice, offering. They can, uh, they can be interchanged there because sometimes we don't feel like giving it. And it's a sacrifice. Sometimes it's like, this is going to take some, I'm, I'm really going to be invested in this. and And so he brings the sacrifice. He brings his offering to God. And he gives it. And so in just a few minutes, when we go back into worship, we're going, to, we're going to ask God to receive our offering. It's going to be the offering of our hands in the air of praise to him. Uh, that is what God says that the, the hands can mean as we lift. I give you all that I am. I, I give, you know, I surrender to you, God. I surrender to you. I acknowledge who you are. Uh, so we lift our hands in the low places. We lift our hands, Men. We lift our hands as an offering. And number four, we lift our hands as a battle cry. We lift our hands as a battle cry. Scripture, time and again, says that we are in a spiritual battle. That there is a whole other system operating in this world that is seeking to destroy us, to hurt the cause of Christ, to keep you from following Jesus maybe to keep you away from Jesus, maybe you've never committed your life to Christ, you've never surrendered yet, and so there's this spiritual wickedness and forces that try to work on you and keep you from ever surrendering, and, uh, and so there's a battle, there's a battle when you are a Christian, there's there's times we battle with issues, and we battle with our own sense of uh, uh, insufficiency and lack, and, and there are battles it seems like continuously, and in worship and praise is a Is one of the ways that we can battle. And there's not a better example probably of of this than over in Exodus, the 17th chapter. Uh, And when we read this uh, picture, this story of what really happened here, maybe you can think of the battles in your life. Maybe you've had to fight for your marriage. Most marriages do have to fight. Good fights. They're worth fighting for. And so you have to fight the good fight, or maybe it's fighting in your finances to really get them under control, or fighting for your kids and in prayer. And you and you know that there's an enemy who hopes to ki- that wants to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what the scripture says. He's a liar. He lies to you. The devil lies to you. Constantly, he lies to you. God does not lie to you. And God does not go around telling you that you're sorry and you're, you know, you'll never account to anything and that, that you're a waste. That's not God. God is like, I created you. I made you for so much more. Come and serve me. Let's go. And when you hear these negative voices and thoughts, you're in a battle. You're fighting a battle at that time. And in this story, in Exodus 17 and 10 through 13, the Amalekites are attacking Israel. And Moses tells Joshua to get some guys together and go out and take them on and deal with it. And Moses tells Joshua, he says, Aaron and Hur are going to be with me. I'm going to be up on the mountain and I'm going to have my hands in the air. I'm going to be praying for you in this battle, Joshua. Just keep your eyes on me. You do the battle, you fight, and just glance up and see me. and You will see me with my hands up in the air and you will know I'm interceding for you in this battle. And so this is where we join the story in Exodus 17.10. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur That's H-U-R. That doesn't mean there was a woman there. Just to let you know these names. Her some weird. Like Ben-Her. That kind of thing. Her. You know. Aaron and Her held his hands up. So one gets on one side. One gets on the other. And they hold his hands up. You get this? They're holding his hands up. He, He droops because it's tiring. I don't know if you've ever tried to hold your hands up a really long time. But it gets, after a while, they start to droop. Well, every time his hands started to droop, Joshua would begin to lose the battle. And uh, it says, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Wow. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Some of you feel like you're in a battle right now. You never expected, like we started this sermon this morning, you never expected to be at this place in your life. You're in a spiritual battle. You're fighting it out. You're praying. You're hoping things are going to change. And you get weary. Maybe maybe you have been praying. Maybe you've been praying and you you get before God and you lift up your hands and you pray to Him. And it just gets weary because things don't seem to change. And you need... Friends to come alongside you and hold your hands up. We all all need that. All of us do. Do you have somebody around you holding your arms up? Look around this room. We're going to do this in a minute. All of us together. We're all going to be doing this together. And you're going to feel that surge. You're going to feel that support from your brothers and sisters in Christ as your hands go up. And their hands go up with you to hold you up. I've got people around me to hold my hands up. Hold my arms up when I'm tired. I me, mean, my wife primarily is always constantly praying for me and holding my arms up. And I get a text on Thanksgiving morning from the guy that led me to Christ that told me about Jesus. And he's running in a race uh, down south. And, and uh, he sends me a note. He says, I just want you to know I prayed for you this morning. You know, here it is Thanksgiving morning. I prayed for you. I love you. Steady on. Keep going, Tim. You know, just encouraging me. And. I've got people here. We've got an intercessor team in the church. that pray for me. They pray for the ministries of the church. I've got one, Ron, that plays bass up here. Every Sunday morning, he comes over to me, and he grabs me, and he prays for me. He's holding my arms up. Some of you do this for me. That's what the church does for one another. When we get in a spiritual battle, we need others with us. We need others to hold our arms up in that time. What happens during the battle? Well, it's us recognizing that if... That I cannot win this battle. I can't do this God without you. I can't do it. So I lift my hands up to you. And I'm saying I surrender. You're the one. You can win this battle God. I need you to intervene. I need you to come. Lord right now. Come help me win this battle. Come God. And that is a worship to God. Because we're acknowledging that he's the one in control. Not us. He's the one that can do something. About this. Are you in a battle? Are you in a battle right now? Lift your hands. Men, be the warriors that you are and lift your hands and be a warrior, spiritual warrior. Don't you let your wife out worship you. (laughs) Don't you let your kids... I'll worship you. Come from Vine Kids and go, look, Daddy, we, we held our hands and we worshiped today. Or, That's good, buddy. That's good. That's good. No, 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 no. You let them see you lift your hands. You do it. You do it at home. You do it when you're down. You do it when you're And I want to say this to you. You're struggling with something. Don't you back off and go, I don't deserve to lift my hands to God because I am struggling with something right now. You know who's telling you that? That is not God talking to you. That is not God. That is the enemy who's got you in the battle and trying to get you to not say one word to your creator. Instead, you press through. You be the one that's lifting the hands up. If you're like, I haven't done well in this struggle, Tim, well, lift your hands up. Say, God, I haven't done well. Please help. You know, help me. Come. Don't don't let the devil rob and steal from you your ability to, to seek God and ask him to intervene in your life. He loves you. He loves to hear your voice. And he loves to receive worship from you. Can we do this? How about it, men? Don't shout me down. (laughs) Can we do it, men? All right. All right. Let's stand. Let's stand. You may have never done this before. Not like this. You've raised your hands many times for many things. <laughs> but you've never done it for God. So in my prayer is that God would just fall on you in such a way that you will remember this day from now on. That you will experience the presence of God and the affection of God in your life. So much so that you'll know you're loved and cared for and that God is with you and has not forsaken you. That's for all of you. For all of us. And if you're in that place... If you're in that low place, lift your hands in praise. Lift your hands in worship to the God of all creation. Love Him with your lips. Express your love to Him with your body. Don't let anybody rob you of your ability to worship. Because that is one ability God has given you. And He loves to see you.